We're just under a month until the 2022 NHL draft, so we got to ramp up our draft profiles. We got to talk two players today, two from Slovakia, who are in the top five under consolidated rankings. We're going to get to those in just a moment. Tony Ferrari is going to be joining us on today's episode of Locked On Coyotes. Your Locked On Coyotes, your daily podcast on the Arizona Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Locked On Coyotes. We want to thank everyone for making this show your first listen every day. We are 100% free and available on all platforms. And that does mean we'll never have a paywall for you guys to ever access our content. I'm Robin Leonio. That's Carl Pavlak right beside me. We have a special guest on today's episode. He is a one of one of the people, one of the draft experts that come that goes around the entire locked on network i believe tony ferrari joining us in today's episode tony thanks for coming on we got a really good show yeah thanks for having me on i'm just making my way through all the locked on shows uh g- give me all a little peek into the draft <laughs> it's, it's it's absolutely amazing we really appreciate it carl oh yeah and i mean as we were talking before the we started recording, it's a fun draft. So I'm sure you have a lot to talk about with everyone. And thank you for uh, taking some time, especially to talk some of the, the top players. Uh, who the Coyotes get could determine how the rebuild goes. So hopefully they don't mess it up. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because the Coyotes are in a really interesting spot, especially the next couple of years playing at uh, Arizona State and everything. It's going to be fun to kind of see this team be, build that college atmosphere almost. And I, I've said it a few times, as, as much as people are making fun of it a little bit, I, I want to get down there for a game because it's not going to be often that we get to see players like Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews come through and play in an arena like that in an atmosphere like that. It's going to be really unique, and I think the Coyotes can build something special out of it. I'm personally excited for it because, again, the uh, the smaller venue could also means ex- heightened noise. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine how hard it is to play. Yeah. And, and, I mean, like you said, like we have looked at a lot of weird arena situations uh, on this show just because hey, that's that's one of the things that we have to do as, as a Coyote coverage uh, place. Uh, but, like, one of the things I would love to see was, like, some of the old games where Tampa Bay was playing in a baseball stadium during the regular season. Like I can only imagine like the stories that fans have who got to go to those games Uh, college arena. Isn't, you know, that crazy, but still, still not something you see for most NHL teams. Absolutely. Well, we got to get to our draft uh, draft profiles. We're going to again, start ramping things up because the Coyotes have three first round picks and we only, again, have less than a month left until the NHL draft. So let's go ahead and ramp things up. We're going to go two players today, Uri Slavkowski and Simon Nemec. Let's start with Slavkowski, Tony. We ha- this is, so we've had a couple other p- profiles on here. And Slavkowski is so by far the biggest. I'm looking at his size, 6'4", 218. That's, I mean, I mean that, that, that makes a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, this is probably the premier winger in this draft. I don't think there's anybody else that plays on the wing that you look at and you go, this is going to be a guy that makes a huge difference in the lineup. And Slavkovsky brings that size, brings the power element to the game. And 
all year you I watched him and I'm like, man, this guy's a really skilled playmaker. And then he went and led the Olympics and goals scored. So and won the MVP there. So this is a guy that's going to make a huge difference wherever he was drafted. And I think he'd be an awesome fit with that with Arizona. I mean, they definitely need, from what I've seen of watching the highlights, Slavkovsky can definitely bring that. So he'd be a good fit. Yeah, he has the ability. The, the really nice thing about him is he has the ability to work off the boards better than probably anybody in this draft. There's the, You see guys win battles. You got see guys do things along the boards that you're like, okay, like he's a good board player. You don't see guys become dynamic off the boards. And I think that's what Slavkovsky brings to this game is he's able to kind of come off the board, cut to the middle of the ice, get a shot off, or come off the boards have three guys over there because of the, the havoc he causes along the boards and the physicality he brings to the game, and then be able to make the pass to the back door and, and set up one of his teammates for a play. So he's a guy that kind of makes everyone around him better using his physicality and the underrated skill he has. Physicality, I think, is one of the biggest things. That I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because that, that's something that the Coyotes kind of want in their system. I feel like if you watch what what the what head coach Andre Torney has been trying to do, it's a it's a physical team. Obviously, there's not much talent to try to implement it yet, but I mean, that's what he wants. Yeah, and like this is a guy that does it. And he's not going to necessarily go out there and blow guys up, but I think the biggest thing with him is I talked about this all the time is he has functional physicality. I think. We see so many guys running around the ice and just hitting guys two seconds after they make a pass or they're hitting guys for no reason. They're hitting guys to just kind of impose their will physically. And while that obviously serves a purpose and it pays them back for later on and all that stuff. But Slavkovsky is a guy that's going to make you pay whether or not he has the puck on his stick. If he has the puck on his stick, he'll lower his shoulder, bully you over and get to the net or he'll kind of beat you up along the boards and then come out of it with the puck and still be able to make that dynamic play. So He's a guy that brings so many different elements to the physical game that I think it's going to be really interesting to see what he's able to do at the NHL level because I don't think this guy's too far off of being a pro pretty soon. I'm going to steal functional physicality. That is just a phenomenal concept and name. Um, one of the things that I was um, when I was reading up on Slavkovsky is like a lot of people bringing up his stick handling. Do you think that is like part of what, you know, makes him so dynamic off the boards like you were mentioning do you think it's more of his vision like kind of how is he able to be that rare player that can make those kind of moves like that well i think the stick handling is excellent because you don't see a guy that's his size doing stuff that he's able to do with the pockets it's usually the five foot ten five foot eleven guy that's able to deke and dangle put the puck through guys legs and kind of play within the triangle that some of the scouts and coaches talk about in between the opponent's skates and their, where their stick is at. And Slavkovsky does that at an excellent level. It's, it's, it's unbelievable at times seeing him do, be able to do that. But he has the awareness and the vision around the ice where he's able to kind of identify the next step. And I think that's the biggest thing for a lot of players, especially players his size, where you see them be able to kind of get the puck off the boards, but they don't know what to do next. And Slavkovsky has the vision, the understanding, and the passing and skill to be able to pull the next play off. And it's these little tiny chains of events that we kind of look for in hockey that these four little things lead up to a big thing. And Slavkovsky is excellent at doing that. One of the things that absolutely amazes me is, um, though, is, is just watching how quickly he actually rose to the like to uh, to the top of these draft boards. I, I was looking like you know last you know like earlier you know like last year or whatever like he was like he wasn't even near the top there was like i think it was like um you know it was of course you know shane wright and um and matthew savoy and brad lambert and whatever and and Sapkowski just all of a sudden shot up to the top and that honestly astonished me and i and, I, and i'm pretty sure that's all you know based off a lot of the stuff that you've been talking about yeah i think the big thing with Sapkowski is all year long he was playing in the finnish men's league he played a little bit in junior and he was absolutely tore up the finish junior league. Uh, but 
it, it was when he was playing in the men's league, you're starting to see signs of the, the, the play coming along. He wasn't really putting up a ton of points initially. He had a really good second half of the year, but once he got to the Olympics, once he got to the world juniors, it was really at the international stage that he was really able to show off and, and become the player he is. I know he was kind of hovering around outside the top 10 on a lot of boards. I think I had him at eight on my midseason rankings. And then once he got to the Olympics, like I said earlier, he led the, the Olympics in goal scoring. He won the MVP there. He made Slovakia one of the go-to teams to watch. You watched him at the World Championships, and he was excellent there, nine points in eight games. Every time he put on that Slovakian jersey, he was outstanding. And I think once he started showing those things internationally, especially after the Olympics, he went back to the league and played against the men in the Finnish league, and he was started steadily improving. He was getting more shots off. He was more willing to do things. And I think early in the year, it was almost like, there was an intimidation factor a little bit where he was this 17, 18 year old, despite being six foot four and 220 pounds, he was still a young kid playing against guys that are 25, 30 who had NHL experience, who have had really long pro careers. Once he found that confidence after some of the international play, specifically the Olympics, he just was like, I'm better than some of these guys and showed it. I mean, seven goals in seven games in the Olympics. If that's not going to give you confidence, I don't know what is. Yeah, exactly. And it was fun to watch him at the Olympics because when he initially started scoring, I'm like, okay, well, he's going to slow down. And then he didn't. And I was like, okay, well, all of his goals are going to be weird, like weak goals that the goalies let in. And they weren't. It was he was going to the net. He was getting to the slot. He was cutting to the middle. He was opening up space for himself. There were times where he'd flip his hips to get a better shooting angle. Like there were all these little things that I was watching. And I'm like, oh, like he's a, a dynamic scorer. Because as I mentioned, the first half of the year, I was like, oh, this is a really nice, skilled, big playmaking winger. And then he showed that goal scoring touch. And I was like, oh, there's more to this guy's game. And as you watched him more, and as I kind of got to, to know this player as we're just watching him through all these international tournaments because he played a ton of international games this year. I'm looking at his elite prospects page now, and he, he played at three different levels, four different men's events. Like it was crazy that the, the way he was able to kind of put on that international Jersey and in for Slovakia, go back to the men's league in, in Finland and just be a stud. And you watch him grow over the year. And I think that's the biggest thing when you see growth from the start to the end of the year, a lot of these players are the same guy they were at the end of the year. Slavkovsky is a guy that's developed and grown completely into a, a better player. Absolutely. We're talking about Uriah Slavkowski with Tony Ferrari from the Hockey News. We're also going to get to St. Simon Nemec in a little bit. But first, before we get any, into any more, though, I want to let you guys know that I run a busy schedule, which means sometimes I admittedly don't have all the time to get all the daily nutrition and vitamins I need for the day. That's why I'm glad I'm able to turn to AG1 from Athletic Greens. It's your one-stop shop of more than 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you get your day started right. Just one scoop of this special blend and you are on your way to improve your and support your gut health, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle-friendly whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. And best of all, it costs you less than $3 a day. Once again, it's just one scoop of cup, one scoop in a cup of water every day, and that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you one a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, it is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So continuing the conversation with about Yuri uh, Slavkovsky with Tony Ferrari once again. Um, Tony, one of the things I guess is a big question I think is with a lot of these draft guys, especially top five, is um, 
and it, it I guess doesn't matter in the, in in this sense because the Coyotes are in no rush. But how soon does this kid hit the 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 the, the ice at the NHL level? This is a guy that I, I honestly think could probably play next year. Ideally, I don't think you want to play him next year. I th- I've said this about everybody in this draft, including Shane Wright. I'd love to see them get one more year wherever they're playing, whether it's over in Finland in, in the in the Finnish league for years of or back in the OHL for Shane Wright. But Slavkovsky, because he is a European player, he's a guy that has the eligibility to go to the AHL next year. And I think if he were to go to the AHL, you have that ability to kind of have your development team hands on. You have that ability to kind of go, we see everything he's doing on a day-to-day basis. And you can really kind of focus in on what you want to improve in his game and what you want to work on and what you want to just allow him to continue to build in his game because he's got a lot of really good qualities. So I think it'd be awesome to see him play in the AHL next year. And with that, you also get the chance to kind of go, hey, towards the end of the season, things aren't going great. We're not making the playoffs and whatnot or whatever's happening. And you go, hey, let's get you 10 games. So let's get you five games just to get a, a taste. Let you see what that NHL speed's like. Or at the end of the day, he could be a perfect injury replacement and then come up and be a, a guy that ends up sticking with the team. So I think the options are pretty endless with this guy. But I, I realistically think by not next year, the year after, I, I don't see him not being in the NHL. Now, we talked a lot about the many, many good qualities that he has. Is there any areas where you think he needs to improve his game? I think consistency is a big thing. Um, there's times where he's just kind of floating around out there and he's just kind of looking like he's not really sure what to do with assertiveness and stuff. And he is a bigger guy, so you'd want to see him be assertive, be more aggressive a little bit more. And, and there are times, especially early in the season, where you were just like, oh, okay, he's he's out there watching a little bit puck watching and his defensive game i think is solid but he's a winger so you're not really too worried about it at the end of the day i think you can go hey dude you're six foot four 220 pounds get in the way like that's really all you have to do as a winger defensively so he can and he's got the speed and everything to kind of patrol the top of the zone fight win battles along the boards and everything so every flaw that he kind of has is something that you can either work with or that you go that should improve with some maturity so i think slavkovsky is a guy that Maybe he's never going to be a 40 goal scorer, a 75 point player or anything. But if you get 30 and 30 out of him and he's on your first line wing and he plays a pretty decent game and he's a power play presence uh, in and around the net, you're getting a really good player out of him. And at the end of the day, not every single player is going to be this 80, 90 point player. And in this draft class, I don't think there's many of those anyways. Absolutely. Fair. And uh, oh, did you have anything else, Carl? Oh, no, I was just saying fair. <laughs> okay. Um, but I, also, I I do want to you know, uh, um, also shift gears before we actually get to that before we get to that in a sec. Um, do you want to ask? Is there anything that that we didn't ask? Maybe that that uh, we don't know about from Fris Lefkowski that like you feel like that any, anybody of any team should know about him as we as we get ready for uh, for the draft. I think the biggest thing is this kid's raw. He's still very raw, and I think any any player that you draft you're going to be pushing him into the nhl in a couple years especially so high up in the draft like slavkovsky's gonna go you're hoping he's in there a year after the draft a year and a half like i said there's a chance he's in the ahl next year even so i think patience with a kid like this understanding that when he comes in the nhl he's he's gonna have some of the problems that we saw with with guys like alexi lafrenier and capo and, and quentin byfield and all these other guys that or super highly touted, but at the end of the day, they're still 19, 20 year olds. That's when they get to the NHL. They're still guys that need a little bit more development, need a little bit more confidence in their game. And a, a team like Arizona is going to be able to give them playing time, going to be able to allow them to make mistakes in the top six and not have to worry about being sent to the fourth line and be in purgatory or being the coach's doghouse. So a, a guy like this, like you mentioned with Tarigny's system and everything, I, I think is a great fit. 
So if he does end up in Arizona, I think this is a guy that they're going to be able to be patient. They're not going to have to rush him. And at the end of the day, I think that's the best scenario for him. Yeah, Although I do wonder, do you think he ends up with Arizona? He is such a good player. Do you think he makes it to three? I think there's a chance he makes it to three because I think really at the top of this draft right now, I think there's four names that kind of solidified themselves at the top with Shane Wright, Slavkovsky, Juracek, and uh, Logan Cooley. I think those four have kind of solidified themselves in a top tier. And then after that, that's where it really breaks open and goes a little wild. So at three, I think this is certainly going to be an option. I think Juracek's another option. I think Nemich is going to be another option that we're going to talk about in a little bit. But I think Slavkovsky, if, if he's there at three, he'd probably be my pick. I mean, if I, that, that's one of the things too. I was like, I was asking a lot about a lot about that in general on other people, other people's perspective. And yeah, a lot of people say, yeah, if Slavkovsky is available at three, he's gone. <laughs> um, but like, there was a chance he gets picked at two. So let's like, I mean, that's a huge one. But let's also shift focus to um, Slavkovsky's uh, Slovakia teammate in in Simon Nemec. You mentioned we're going to move that move, move to that. Uh, a, a defenseman, and one thing that's of course that um, I that Carl and my Carl and I have mentioned several times on this podcast is that there's a position the Coyotes are severely lacking in right now. It's defense. Yeah, I think Samuel Nemec is a guy that is a ton of fun to watch. This guy's at times he has some video game qualities to his offensive game. I think there's so much talent with this kid. The biggest thing with me with with Simon Nemec is go is if I, if I draft him, I go, be more aggressive. Play into your talent more because there are times where you're playing a little bit too passive, a little bit too timid, and I know I, I can see what you want to do, and you're holding back a little bit. Stop holding back. Let the, let this horse run a little bit, and I think that's where you can get the best out of Simon Nemec. And at the end of the day, he's a guy that was setting records in the Slovakian men's league for defensive scoring. He had an absolute blistering playoffs where he had 17 points in nine, 19 games, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, 17 points in 19 games for a defenseman. Uh, as he le- helped lead his team right to the final, uh, they ended up coming up short. But this is a guy that was absolutely outstanding on the score sheet. Every time he got a chance, he was making a difference. So the fact that he was still being timid, the fact that he was still holding back a little bit, makes you believe like there's something special there, possibly with this kid. Yeah. And another player who, like we talked about before, you could put in the AHL, you could watch over him a lot closer. So you could have, like, you know, assistant GM go down there for, you know, a couple games be like, Hey, you need to be doing this, this, and this. You're still going to be doing that if he's playing in Europe, but you know, a little bit more of a disconnect. Yeah. And I think that's why I think the European players have become so much more popular in recent years. I mean, we watch more at cider. We've seen guys going back to like William Nylander and stuff like that, play in the AHL for their right after their draft year and, and be good in the AHL in their, after their draft year. And one of the things that I've I've talked to people that, that have had players go to the AHL right away is the AHL is a more physical league than the NHL, as weird as that sounds. It's a league that doesn't necessarily have the skill level, but it's going to go if you go down there. And I think for a guy like Simon Nemec, it'd be perfect. He's going to go down there and have to deal with being beat up, hit, battle along the boards and really kind of grind it out. And then when he gets to the NHL, it's not that he's going to go, oh, this is easy. But he's going to be like, oh, I've done this before. I know how to handle this situation. I know what to do here. And, and over in Slovakia, he wasn't necessarily getting that. So Simon Nemec is a guy because the difference between him and Slavkovsky is Slavkovsky went to Finland. He was playing in the fin- Finnish men's league against guys that are a lot of former NHLers or guys that were just short of the NHL. So the Slovakian league doesn't have that. I'd be getting Nemec over right away if possible, getting him to the NH- AHL and going, hey, deal with this. 
let's get our hands on like again hands-on development like you mentioned you get the assistant gm down there you get development coaches down there you invest in this kid's development down the ahl so that when he does get to the nhl in a year or two he's a guy that's already making a difference right away yeah, I'm already a huge advocate for getting getting guys to the AHL. I mean, I've been covering, I've personally been covering <laughs> a- AHL hockey for like six years. I've uh, um, been a Tucson Roadrunners person. And it's, I mean, yeah, and what based off the stuff you said, and especially when you have a team that's that close, you know, you're just, you know, like a, hun- a hundred mile drive and, and, you know, you can make the call up down, you can do whatever. And it, it's, it's, it's amazing how you can get development done, done down here. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, and listener. Sorry, uh, listeners will know that uh, JJ Mosier started off, went straight to the AHL, uh, probably made the jump to the NHL a little sooner than the team expected, <laughs> what with all the injuries. Uh, he was also an overager, so a little bit different. But yeah, I, I do like that that kind of plan of or that possibility with European players of like sticking them in the AHL. Like so often, we have seen players who are too good for the OHL or juniors and just. They're stuck. There's not that anything you can do. Yeah, it's the unfortunate thing with the CHL agreement with the NHL is until they're 19 or 20 or until they played four seasons. So the rare case with like a Joe Valeno where he was an exceptional status kid. So he was able to go to the AHL at 19. That a lot of times these guys are stuck playing in a league that they're just far too superior for. Like you look at Anaheim with Mason McTavish, like there's no way he should have been the OHL this year. Just absolutely no way. He was physically dominant at that league. He would have been served so much better developmentally in the AHL, but because of the CHL NHL agreement, he was stuck and he had to go back, got traded to Hamilton. Now they're in the finals in the OHL, but you'd still rather see him playing pro hockey against men, against guys that aren't at the end of the day, five foot seven and like 104 pounds. Like that he's playing against guys in the H or in the OHL that they're he's able to just absolutely bully. So how much development is he really getting? And I think that's the biggest advantage of drafting some of these European players where, like you said, get them into the AHL, get them playing against men. You have them real close with Tucson being right there. And, and so many NHL teams are doing that, getting their teams real close so that they can have that hands-on development. They can have the coaches and staff work with them on off days and stuff. It, it's really important. And I think Simon Nemich would be a, a guy that would excel at the AHL level. Absolutely. We've still got more to get to on this episode of Lockdown Coyotes. We're going to talk a little bit more about Simon Nemich in just a moment. But first, we're going to have a quick word from Carl. So I have a message for you all. Don't you love chewy, chocolatey brownies? What about caramel brownies with caramel swirled on top? They're really good. Uh, And what if I told you you can get that chewy, chocolatey deliciousness plus 17 grams of protein? Well, you're in luck because the Caramel Brownie Bar is available at Built.com right now, but you got to act fast because they're a fan favorite. I made brownies the other weekend. They were really good, but you know what you had to do after making them? You had to clean up a lot of stuff. You know, bowls, just sugar everywhere. Uh, It's very annoying. Why not skip all that plus get something that's covered in 100% real chocolate? That is what you can do with Built Bar. What I want you to do is go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. With Built, tasty is the new healthy. So go to Built.com and get your caramel brownie bars right now. So let's let, let's 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 finish things off with this episode of Lockdown Coyotes. Once again, Tony Ferraro from the Hockey News joining us on today's 
episode, we are uh, going to a double show. We had Yaris, uh, talked about Yuri Slavkovsky earlier, and we are talking to Simon Nemec. Um, and I guess we'll, we'll, we'll continue through, you know, the ringer on this. And um, what, uh, what are some of the things that, that, that Nemec does have to work on? Like we did, we, we talked about with, with Slavkovsky. What are the things that, that, uh, that he has to focus on to make himself NHL ready? Well, I think while he's an incredibly offensive, dynamic def- defenseman who can kind of make guys miss at the blue line and make guys look silly, I do think there's a, a, an element of aggressiveness that I think he he needs to get a little bit more out of his game. I think he's a guy that is willing to make the play, but you want him to be actively pushing to make the play. I think that's something that he doesn't do as much as I'd like to see him. I think there's just another level to his offensive game. And then as a defensive player, I think – he can be a little bit over aggressive in the neutral zone, trying to cut out the gap too soon or trying to get break up transition before he really even gets a chance to deal with the, the player. And, and then he gets beaten, leads to a two on one. And there's some flaws in his defensive game, but I think it's all stuff that can work around because he has the skating. He has decent enough size. He's not a super small defender by any means, but he's not a huge guy either. And I think he's a guy that at the end of the day is going to be able to do a little bit in all three zones, really kind of excel offensively. Uh, the one thing I do c- kind of get concerned about with his transition game, though, is while he's, his transition numbers look really good, he, he's a guy that pushes the play off ice and everything like that. He's a little bit more of a shovel, shovel the puck ahead and skate onto it guy. He's not like we watched Kale McCarr in the NHL, and obviously Kale McCarr is a special player, so comparing him is almost criminal to, to do to anybody. But you watch Kale McCarr or some of the other transitional defensemen in the NHL, and they're, they're handling the puck up the ice. They're back and forth on their backhand, on their forehand, using their skating and, and stick handling ability. Whereas Simon Nemec is a little bit more, he'll push it five feet ahead of him, skate onto it, push it from another five feet, skate onto it. And he has the ability to kind of stick handle. Like I said, he does it at the offensive blue line a lot, and he, he does it in the offensive zone so often. But in transition, for whatever reason, he he likes to just kind of get the puck going and skate onto it. And, and that's not a necessarily a bad thing. A guy like Morgan Riley does that quite a bit at the NHL level. So it's certainly doable at the NHL level. But it's one of those things where it's like if you can refine some of these little things, if you can become a little bit more aggressive with your with your skill in the offensive zone, you could take an even bigger step. And then I think that's why there's a chance that this guy ends up being the best defenseman in the draft class. Now, I have a question. Um, something that we've talked a lot uh, about like this past year is the growth of the United States Development Program. Here we are. We're having an episode. We're talking about two Slovakian players. Is this kind of like a sign that we should be paying more attention to that country and their youth development? Is this kind of like a one-off thing? Uh, do, you, do you really know? Or should we ex- be expecting more great players, more like top five players from Slovakia in the next coming years? Yeah, I think the thing with with countries like Slovakia, Germany, Czech Republic, they're cyclical. Um, the U.S. development program is a special program. I think that what they've done for the USA hockey has been exceptional to really develop a, a, a crazy pipeline. And Slovakia has been doing a really good job of it the last few years. I think next year you got a guy like Dalibor Dvorsky and you got a few other guys. This year, a little bit deeper down in the draft, you've got Adam Sikora. The Slovakians are coming, and, and that sounds a little weird to say at times because a lot of for a few years now, almost a decade, Slovakia has really struggled to produce hockey talent. Even their men's teams haven't really been that dangerous, but they're starting to do it again. They're starting to kind of come around, and you kind of notice this year there's not as many Germans as there have been the last few years from the Tim Stutzel, uh, J.J. Paterka, Moritz Sider years. 
now it's the Slovakians that are coming next year. There's a few more Slovakians and there's a couple of Czech kids that are coming as well. So it's really interesting that some of these smaller countries are starting to develop talent a little bit more consistently. And when they are developing talent, it's high end talent. It's not guys that are necessarily drafted in the third, fourth round. While they do have some of those guys, they're getting guys in the top 10. And Slovakia is a, a country that you're going to probably want to watch the next few years. Absolutely. Um, one of the things I was that was curious, I didn't even I, I don't think I asked this about Slavkovsky, but maybe I can get it for uh, for both you know, Slavkovsky and Nemec uh, is um, comparing these guys to a current NHL because like it's because th- there might, might be some, you know, casual listeners out here who listen to all the stuff that we're talking about. And they're just like, I have no idea what they're saying. Is there someone maybe you can compare them to so they can at least get a little bit of an understanding? Well, Semo Nemec, I, I think Morgan Raleigh is the guy that I look at, and I'm like, that's the upside. Like, that's the, the the top end potential for him. I think he'd be a really good top pairing defenseman that has a really offensive game. Needs some work defensively. Kind of sometimes you get a little frustrated with him, but because he's so good in transition, so good offensively, he does so many things well, and, and he brings some leadership to the ice as well. I think that's what Simon Nemec can bring. And I think at the the bottom end of the scale for him, a guy that Arizona is fairly familiar with this from this year is Shane Gossespierre where he's not a guy that's going to necessarily beat the world out, but he's going to produce offensively. He's going to make some plays and, and kind of push things up the ice and do some fun things. You have your flaws with him. You have your your, your gripes and everything with, with his game. But at the end of the day, I think Simo Nemich kind of falls somewhere in that range. I, I do think he probably ends up landing a little closer to Morgan Riley. And as for Slavkovsky, he's a really, really unique player, a guy that I, I look at and I, I see Chris Kreider in his game at times. I see other guys that kind of work off the boards really well. Um, just coming off the top of my head, uh, I'm thinking like a guy like Michael Bunting, who uh, who isn't doesn't necessarily have the size, but has the same vigor, have this has the same ability to kind of just play off the boards that you're like you shouldn't have the puck right now. You went in there with two other guys, um, and, and there's a bunch of different guys that don't really have that skill in the NHL. Um, could he be a, a Tom Wilson without the dirty and d- dirty fighting and stuff and some of the dumb stuff that Tom Wilson does? Because at the end of the day, Tom Wilson's still a very good hockey player. And because of his antics, because of the, some of the dumb stuff he does, he doesn't get the credit for all the good things he does. But he's a top six NHLer and, and he works on that line with Ovechkin and everything. And he fits. So I think Slavkovsky kind of reminds me of guys like that where he's a unique skill set. Not every NHL team has a guy like this. Not every NHL team has a guy that has the ability to kind of go into battles, come out with it unexpectedly, and still make an offensive play. So Slavkovsky is a little bit harder to kind of come up with a direct comparable for, but in, in even the three guys I gave you with Bunting, Kreider, and, and uh, Tom Wilson, they're kind of different players when you look at them at the end of the day, but he brings elements of the game that all three of them bring. So it's really interesting that what he's going to end up being at the NHL level. That would just be a very interesting line, Bunting, yeah. uh Crider and Wilson. I would I would definitely watch that uh that play for a couple of shifts. Oh, every team that plays them would absolutely hate that line. And, and they'd end <laughs> oh, up yeah. producing. That's the other thing. Like they'd they'd find offensive potent like offensive <laughs> chances and they would piss everyone off. Absolutely. That'd be absolutely <sighs> fun. Um anything else that we didn't touch on that maybe you wanted that um for at least these players or whatever that that might be useful for uh, for our listeners. Well, I think the big thing is this draft class now, whether it's Simon Nemec, whether it's Shane Wright, whether it's Yaroslavkovsky or any other name on this list, this is the draft class that I think has been affected most by the pandemic. And, and I know they got their full season this year for the most part. Like no one was affected by the pandemic this year, but they had their draft minus two interrupted kind of at the start of the pandemic. 
Then they lost the summer because they weren't able to develop that summer because everyone was indoors. Everyone was quarantining and everything. The following season, their D minus one year, they had a lot of interruptions. They had kind of up and down seasons. Some guys didn't play at all. So you're going to need patience with these guys. I think a lot of them are probably just a year behind on the development from where we kind of expected them to be. A guy like Shane Wright, we look at and we're like, man, like where, where was that 170 point season that we were hoping for? Well, he didn't play last year. A guy like Simon Nemich or Yaroslavski, as much as they did get games in, they didn't have the off-ice training. They didn't have the summers of development that they normally would have had. Things were so interrupted the last two years for them. And at age 16, 17, 18, that's such an pivotal time for development. So patience is going to be key with all these guys. I think Simon Nemich is, is right in that, that vein as well. And at the end of the day, getting these guys in the AHL, getting these guys on your development with your development staff, with your coaching staff, I think it'd be a huge asset. So I, I think this year more than ever, I think drafting Europeans is probably a really good idea. Absolutely. That perfect. Um, well, Tony, we're going to get ready to close things off. Um, I, I guess we usually spend yeah let these last few minutes to allow you to share where our listeners can, uh, can find you and your work. Well, you can find me on Twitter at the Tony Ferrari. Uh, unfortunately, someone else took Tony Ferrari. So I decided to add that to the front of it. Um, but all my works at the hockey news, you can find it all there. I've got tons of videos and stuff, interviewing prospects, um, from Frank Nazard and Matthew Savoy and a few, and a bunch of others where we break down tape together. I show some film and they, they kind of, I ask them, what were you thinking on this play? What were you trying to get accomplished here and stuff? And then we talk about movies, music, and just kind of get to know them a little bit too. So there's a personal aspect to it as well. And my end of the year draft rankings will be out at the end of next week or the beginning of next week. I don't know, sometime soon. And I'll tweet them all out from my Twitter as well. Absolutely. Nice. That's it. wonderful. We really appreciate you coming on Tony Ferraro once again, uh, from the hockey news we're going to close things off on this episode of locked on coyotes uh once again if you like what you heard don't forget to leave a review like comment subscribe if you have yet to already we're available everywhere you get your podcast including on youtube don't forget to interact with us on social media we're on facebook facebook.com slash locked on coyotes on instagram locked on coyotes and on twitter at lo underscore coyotes i'm personally at robin underscore leonio it is robin with the y underscore l-e-a-n-o carl pavlock is carl pavlock at you can interact with us ask the question you might have we'll answer right back or on a future episode of the lockdown coyotes podcast thanks again everyone for listening to today's episode hope you guys are staying safe out there hope you guys are staying healthy and don't forget to howl on ah!